0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. The whole process started years ago, but the dynamic increased uh, after 2015. The Paris Agreement was very important, and of course, uh, the Uh, the Sustainable Development Goals, which has been published by the United Nations.
1: Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco Good to see you back for another episode of From Crisis to Creation here on Mentory TV. I'm Patricia Falco bekali your host. And let me say, first of all, thank you to all of you for your participation, your liking, your sharing, and also for joining me in the community on Mentory TV by subscribing for free. And all of your comments, they're not only heard and read, but responded to. So thank you very much for that interactivity. Keep it up. And when it comes to today's issue, we are going to look at ESG investments and sustainable investments in general, but also dig deeper into what financial capitals can really do in order to contribute to this positive momentum we are seeing positive momentum, you may say. What does that mean? Let me tell you that the latest report by Fidelity actually showed that in 2020, more than one trillion, one trillion US dollars actually did go into ESG or some sort of sustainable investments. The amount of money that is going in is flabbergasting, green bonds really hitting an all-time high, uh, just months ago, almost half a billion US dollars flooding into green bonds as well. So it's a hot issue. But let's get more into detail with Simon Triebelhorn. He is the CEO of the Liechtenstein Banking Association. He joins us today here on Mentory TV to discuss the issue and drill deeper into the financial capitals as well. Simon, thank you so much for being with us here on the show.
0: Hi, good morning, Patricia. It's really a pleasure Uh, to participate the show and uh, good morning, everybody (laughs) to be
1: here. Yeah, absolutely. We are, we are so honored that you come because you do have a very important position in Liechtenstein representing, you know, the banking association. So when you speak, you speak for those that have joined you, I think more than 13 banks that are uh, part of that association. Now, I just said in the intro to all of our viewers that the dynamics into ESG sustainable investments has been flabbergasting. Uh, over the last three years, I think it doubled the amount of money. So I'm wondering we are going from mainstream, from from um, boutique to mainstream in this kind of investments. Why this dynamic? What are the key drivers you would say?
0: Well, I think it started. The whole process started years ago. But the dynamic increased uh, after 2015, the Paris Agreement was very important, and of course, uh, the, the, the Sustainable Development Goals, which has been published by the United Nations. And I am really convinced that uh, these uh, two publications, or these um, the Paris Agreement and the Sustainable Development Goals really push forward the dynamic and increased dynamic in sustainable investing.
1: Yeah, that I think is really, really important that we have the policy uh, coming into the picture, really trying to put the economy into a certain direction. But, you know, um, we had Kyoto in 2005. And then not that much happened since. And then all of a sudden we see this dynamic with the UN, um, with the UN regulation, as well as with the Paris Agreement, get a little bit more of a dynamic. However, you know, if you look at investors and I wonder that whether we are seeing more and more not only stakeholder activism, but also stakeholder capitalism flooding in that they say, look. We are not going to invest in any kind of companies or funds that might not have some sort of angle when it comes to sustainability and ESG.
0: What we have seen over the last few years is that the awareness has increased, that uh, in sustainable investing is not just a trend, it is the future, it will become mainstream and therefore in, for, for investors it, it became very important to invest more meaningfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and uh, that's one part. The other part is uh, the performance in the in the longer run is even better if you invest in meaningful, if, in in sustainable investments. Yeah. And therefore, uh, that that's another main reason why investors uh, became aware that sustainable investments are not just a trend, but the future.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, Simon, I dived deep into the research there, and it's so true what you're saying, that, uh, for example, in 2020, in the first half, ESG-driven investments have outperformed stocks that were not looking at sustainability. And one of the studies said that it's actually also the millennials that demand just more than just profits. They want to have this, uh, you know, all the stakeholders being considered in the entire supply chain of whatever the company is producing. And, um, you know, this is so we we have governments pushing for regulation. Then we have the actual investors pushing for, hey, we want to invest in a certain way. But the institutional investors as well, and let me just share this with you and get your comment, you know, I, I saw a very interesting interview with Larry Fink the CEO of BlackRock. And as you know, it's the biggest asset manager in the world, holding more than 7.4 trillion U.S. dollars worth of assets. And he said, you know, climate risk nowadays is investment risk. And all what we are doing with our assets now, really finding companies that have an ESG angle and invest all of our assets in these type of companies, all right, unless they do it, it's just the way we are listening to our clients and it is profitable. What do you say to that?
0: Well, I absolutely agree. And what we have seen uh, during the pan- pandemic, um, and, and I think it's very remarkable uh, that, uh, uh, in the light of the current pandemic, this trend or that it is this awareness uh, even even uh, increased. We have seen during the pandemic that uh, the performance of ESG aligned investments um, were better than uh, conventional investments and I think that's, that, that shows even more that um, sustainable investments in the end and not only in the run, in the long run but uh, as well uh, in, in times of crisis um, there are more stable there are more that the performance is better and there is no reason not to invest uh, yeah. uh, sustain, in, in sustainable investments.
1: Yeah, no, I think this is uh, really interesting because I speak to a lot of people also in the industry and everybody's talking to me about, oh, this must not be just another recovery from the pandemic or the economic damage yes. caused by the measures taken against the um, pandemic, but it needs to be a green recovery finally a green recovery because we have all the elements. We have the institutional investors, we have the, we have the actual customers, the investors, the private investors, and we have also the governments on board. So I think it is like a perfect storm to really go into a more sustainable world. But, um, The reason why we are here together is that I think there's a fantastic study out, and you're part of this study, talking about the financial centers for sustainability. Now, that seems to be an approach and give us all the the definition and the ins and outs of what um, this, this, this report is saying, that the financial capitals have a lever, a lever that is very direct in order to push this kind of dynamic forward.
0: Yeah, you're mentioning the study uh, published by FC4S, uh, the International Network, uh, which is called Financial Centers for Sustainability. Yes, it's true. And I think it it shows very clearly uh, and and emphasizes the great importance of of the financial sector for the transition of the the whole economy uh, towards more sustainability. Um, And it shows as well that the financial centers and the banks over the last few years have made uh, great progress uh, in their efforts. And I think that's, that's very important, or let's say a very important outcome as well. Um, but what the study uh, tells us as well that uh, politics, politicians, uh, regulators, financial centers, um, they all agree that regulation is needed. Uh, in order to sustain the the necessary momentum towards more sustainability and I think uh, that's that's, uh, an an, an important learning because the EU is very much pushing forward uh, regulation in this context and in this area.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to regulation, and I always talk, it in, talk about it in the, the context of financial centers or financial institutions, there's so many mm-hmm. regulations, okay, because trust has been broken over and over again, you know, the um, 2008, 2009, 2015, yada, yada. I mean, we have it all. And then you get regulation slapped onto the financial sector to create trust. But the banks, the institutions themselves just say, wait. Not more regulation. There's overregulation. How tough is the balance?
0: Well, that's what we normally uh, hear from, from the private sector that uh, we don't uh, we don't need any more regulation. Um, but I think that's different because everybody has realised that we that action is is really, urgent. Action is really needed. And therefore, there is no pushback from the private sector anymore. Uh, on the other hand, or let's say, I- instead of that, the private sector is asking, and the, the banks are asking for um, for 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 clarity, for predictability, uh, and, and therefore, regulation is is in my view uh, very important. Uh, that the private sector is asking for this for this regulation, but it has to be. Uh, and, and I think the taxonomy is, the, is really the cornerstone, but this taxonomy has to be uniform, um, the EU is pushing forward, so it has to be a, an international, in the end, it has to be a uniform international taxonomy. And, and this is really crucial, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and let's drill deeper into taxonomy. First of all, let's define what taxonomy actually means.
0: Well, the taxonomy is kind of a classification system which has been published, so it's already uh, already available. It's 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 huge. Well, that the, the paper the paperwork is is huge, but it gives kind of a um, an, an orientation for 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 banks, for asset managers, um, and and that's that's one part. Um, but what we have seen as well, and which comes what what comes out out of this. Study as well is that the taxonomy has be must be um, pragmatic and in the end implementable for for banks, for asset managers, and for all um, which need to apply the, the, the taxonomy in the end.
1: Yeah, you know, if I look at all of these funds, um, I'm an investor myself, and uh, I think okay, we do have certain levels of. ESG-compliant companies yeah. would potentially invest in. Uh, one of the results I was very intrigued about uh, in this report, the um, FC4S report, was that the thirst for data, one of the key points. So, A, where does the data come from that I really do know that my investment is ESG-compliant and sustainable? Uh, how reliable yeah. is it? How often is it updated? There seems to be still a dichotomy between Greenwashing potentially because you simply don't know all the way through through your stakeholders or your supply chain how green and ESG compliant that company at the end that investment at the end is.
0: Yeah, fully agree. I think that's a, that's a huge challenge. We need to have more data, a better quality of data, and I think there comes the uh, the, the so called SFDR, the, the disclosure regulation. Uh, comes in, which is another very important, uh, uh, very important piece in this regulatory framework coming from the EU.
1: And and you know what? And yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, and and and, and the disclosure uh, regulation will be applicable, or let's say the first set uh, will be applicable already March, but uh, by the end of March this year. So. This is another very important cornerstone, um, the SFTR, which very much interplays with the taxonomy.
1: Yes, and I think this is a crucial point you're mentioning. And Larry Fink also actually also mentioned it. He says that, you know, the regulation, the kind of, you know, the accounting standards need to include a lot more than just the financials. So I'm paraphrasing him right now. And I think unless you do have, you know, the auditors looking at numbers that go beyond you know the bottom line and the top line but includes also more than climate change but the social aspect the, the governance in general we can really make a more um yeah you know, informed decision
0: yeah f- f- fully agree i mean climate change uh, is uh let's say the one of the challenges which is uh, really urgent there is urgent action is really needed uh, but in the end the taxonomy not has not just to be uh, a uniform taxonomy and internationally accepted uh, so the taxonomy which has been published by you could be internationally uh, the let's say the, the standard for 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 all so uh, that that's very important but it, it could be as well uh, let's say the the blueprint uh, for uh, integrating the social acts aspects and governance aspects. So in the end, um, and that's my conviction and uh, as well, the conviction of, of uh, the, the whole association um, that uh, sustainable be- behavior should not only focus on combating climate change, uh, but as well, including uh, the, the other aspects of, of the SDGs and SDGs, in my view, is kind of a framework uh, to, to integrate all these aspects and let's say implementing Indians, or uh, in, in other words, uh, being compliant uh, with uh, the, the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and all countries, or more or less all countries now, yes. have, uh, have agreed to, to these standards, the ACGs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Under the Paris agreement, there is, I think, only two countries that uh, are not part of it. And I think that is a crucial point that whatever you do in terms of regulation in this, kind of, uh, in this kind of sense needs to be a level playing field. So it cannot be that the EU plays differently than the US because then you become a very different competitive advantage uh, in terms of you know, investment opportunity or even performance. But let's now leave the, the overall picture and really get more and more into what financial centers can really do. So one thing is the, uh, the results. Uh, data is an issue, transparency in general is an issue, regulation is an issue. Uh, later on, we're also going to talk about the education and the actual professional approach on how to do ESG investments if you're an asset manager. Okay, <laughs> that would surprise me. There's quite a bit of a lack, it seems. But what, why, why financial centers? Why are they all of a sudden, you know, so engaged? Isn't it not enough to have the UN um, uh, regulation, the, the Paris Agreement?
0: Well, I think because financial centers or financial intermediaries are a kind of a a bridge between the investors and those who are seeking investments. And that's why I'm I'm, I'm really very much convinced that the intermediaries have a very important role or play a crucial role when it comes to the whole transition uh, towards more sustainability. And if we all agree that it, it's not just a trend, but it, it is the future, sustainable investments are the future, uh, then obviously it's out of question. And, and if you agree as well that financial intermediaries play a, a, a very important bridge role, um, then I think um, not to engage as an intermediary um, is a decision in the long run um, do I want to be relevant or not? So for me, it's a question, um, in the end, am I forward-looking? Um, do I want to be relevant in the, in, in the, in the whole competition, in, in the financial market, or want to, to risk, in the end, to be excluded out of the market? No, so think- for me, it's a, it's, um, it's a question of competition, of staying relevant or remaining relevant in the future as a competitor um, in, in the in the financial markets.
1: And you just mentioned the bridge role. What do you mean yeah. the bridge role of the financial centers? Wow. How does it actually look
0: well because when it comes to the asset allocation, um, the intermediaries as I mentioned play play a key role. Uh, Let's take an, an asset manager um, advising his client. He plays, in my view, a crucial role to, to help the client to find the right investments, uh, to advise him in, in, a, in the right direction, which is in, in the longer run or in, in medium term, longer run, for him, the best solution.
1: Yeah, and I agree. But you know what, Simon, and please disagree with me if I'm uh, talking nonsense. For me, it actually should start even earlier, because if I'm an entrepreneur and I want to have a loan from a bank, I want to get my idea financed. And if this idea is not sound from an ESG sustainable perspective, it's up to the bank to decide, will I support it with a loan or not, never mind making money on it or not. Doesn't it already start there, potentially?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When it, when it comes to, to uh, where do I want to invest my money, I mean we as a, as a, as a country, uh, in Liechtenstein, we decided like in Switzerland um, to participate the, the so-called uh, internationally um, uh, coordinated uh, Pacta uh, assessments, uh, and Pacta stands for um, Paris Agreement Trans- capital transition assessments, uh, and we have gone through as, as a country, with um, it, it was it, it, it was uh, the deliberate decision of the country and and of the intermediaries as well to go through this process. Uh, Switzerland did it with. Uh, uh, Few, uh, a few intermediaries and Liechtenstein. I mean, it was a little bit disappointing. Only 14 intermediaries, uh, um, but uh, the, the, the bigger banks they decided to participate. And um, what what the reason was, or the let the goal was uh, to participate in this coordinated uh, assessment, was to find out how much aligned are. The assess the, the investments clients uh, of, of the clients and end of the banks with um, uh, with the, the 1.5 degree goal uh, of the, the the Paris agreement
1: yeah and it's so interesting because it really they are really measured against it and um, Actually, talking about you saying it's a bit disappointing how many banks did or did not uh, participate. Actually, when it comes to the asset managers, I found another study I want to share with you, um, Simon, and it is that net zero asset managers initiative and these are the 30 biggest asset managers including UBS uh, asset managers uh, asset management for example and also legal general that said mm-hmm. we are going to have net zero emission portfolios by 2050 i mean these guys shift serious money that's encouraging though isn't it
0: well that, that's for sure it's challenging but it's forward looking and i think uh, that's uh uh, that, that is a role model, and uh, that has to be copied by, by other intermediaries as well. So I, I I very much like that approach, and I fully support uh, such an approach.
1: You know, so, I mean, I was just thinking. I just had in the last couple of weeks uh, interviews with the CEO of Ecopetrol, and mm-hmm. uh, also the CEO of Baker Hughes. Now, both of these companies are very much in the oil and gas business, so you could argue. This is the old economy kind of representatives, and it comes to the companies and the business, um, and and. I wonder, you know, if you have the asset managers, if you've got the customers of of asset managers and the regulation all pushing towards ESG, what's going to happen to the old economy stocks? I mean, we still need energy. There will still be oil around. There will be gas around. There will be shale gas around. I mean, what's going to happen to these stocks if all of a sudden we're seeing trillions and trillions of dollars being pushed towards ESG-compliant stocks? And that wraps up the first part of my conversation with Simon Triebelhorn, the CEO of Liechtensteiner Banking Association. We continue talking in the second part about sustainable investments and what financial capital centers really can contribute in order to accelerate a very dynamic trend. And if you do like my conversations here on Mentory TV, why don't you subscribe for free, hit the bell button so I can keep you informed about the latest videos. Plus, share it, like it, it all really is a lot of support plus as well thank you so much for all your comments you're incredibly interactive also sending me so many fantastic ideas co-creation is what Mentory tv is all about see you at the second part
0: we talk to the animals and we know you can too On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson, we will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As Soul Level Animal Communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.